Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. All right, guys. Well, um, I am not speaking today, but I do have the privilege of introducing Bill Randall. So Bill and his wife, Jill, are here with us this morning. And um, if you guys get a chance to say hey to them, say hi, say thank you to them for being here. I love Bill and Jill. I'm so grateful that they are in Boise. Um, yeah, you guys come on up. And so the, the way that I know Bill is through the syndicate, um, which some of you, if you've been around for a while, have probably heard of the syndicate here. Um, but the syndicate is a group of leaders and microchurch networks working and praying to see gospel movement here in our city. We want a microchurch in every neighborhood, every back alley, homeless shelter, school campus, so that every single person can know somebody who is a missionary and who knows Jesus. And Bill is also a part, Bill and Jill are also a part of a ministry called Novo, which is a group of creative missionaries all around the world seeking to see a gospel movement. And so we're really blessed to have Bill and Jill here. I just got to spend a weekend with them in Cascade and was just so blessed by their ministry and so encouraged by their faithfulness to Jesus. So you guys want to give them a hand and listen to Bill today. Thanks, buddy. Thought I'd have Jill here for just a minute as we just let you get to know a little bit more about us. Um, we got married in 81 in San Diego, moved to New England, and, and uh, where I went to graduate school, and then we planted a church there. Then we moved back to San Diego and planted some more churches. We moved to Northern California and planted a bunch of churches. And then in uh, 2014, uh, we discovered this mission org called Novo. And uh, once we met them, we felt like, where have they been our whole life? This feels like a fit. And, um, and now we serve with them. We've served with Novo in San Francisco. And, uh, and then we moved to Nampa in 2016 and then to Boise in 2019. And we love it here. And we want to see what we're seeing happening all over the world happen here. Amen? I mean, there are people, rapid multiplication of new disciples going on all over the world. And we'd love to see that here as well. And so... Um, just wanted to share just maybe just a minute about what we actually do. We have around 25 global teams in cities. And what I do is I, I, I find uh, disciple makers uh, and train them and equip them. And they discover a place where God's called them. And then they build a team and where they're doing what you guys are doing here in the city. They're uh, going after, you know, their neighborhood in prayer, prayer walking, listening to God, obeying as he leads their um, engaging culture through service. They're um, making disciples, inviting them into discovery. Uh, they're planting micro churches, and it's it's really been amazing to see that happen. And my my role is basically strategic. I train, equip, and coach 
all those leaders, and um, Jill plays an essential role. What we've learned through the years, you can't just get people doing stuff. They, it matters how they're doing as well. So Jill, you want to share? I always tell people that Bill cares about what people do, our team leaders do, and I care about how they're doing. So I, uh, I've always had kind of a heart for the marginalized, but also just through pastoring churches and you know, planting churches through the years. I just, I've just cared about the people. I've cared about our leaders. And one thing I've learned is that it tends to be that church leaders, any kind of ministry leaders, missionaries, aren't super good at taking care of themselves because they're always taking care of everybody else. And so when I started doing this ministry in Novo and walking with some of our team leaders, I created this system of coaching where I just checked, it, and it was me at first, because we only had a few teams, but then as we've grown, and we're a part of, of the leadership of Novo now, um, I've got all these teams, and so I created a shepherding team, and so they check in with our missionaries. They check in every month or every other month, depending on their needs. They're finding out how they're doing physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things, because it tends to be that when people end up leaving ministry, it's not because they're not doing a good job. It's because of their health, or it's because of their emotions, or because of anxiety, or their kids are not doing good, family, marriage, all that. So, so that's what our team checks in on. And then beyond that, we also, I also help some of our team leaders, and they're all over the world, um, which is really fun for us, but I help them create systems for their microchurches. So I'll work with team leaders on how do you care for your microchurch because sometimes things are over our heads, right? So anyway, that's, that's what I spend my time doing. All right, so you guys don't know us. You know, why are they here? Robert invited us to share. And we don't really know you, but here's what I love. We, we all know Jesus. So we just take a moment and just remind ourselves and just would you pray with me as we invite the Lord who knows all of us and binds us together in unity through his spirit. Lord, we thank you for this morning. You're a voice we can trust. We welcome your presence in this service. Open the eyes of our heart to your word, our ears to your whispers. And would you today do something in us that matters from heaven's perspective? Impart to us something we need. Strengthen us where we are weak. Lord, equip us to be more fully available to you, to partner with you in what you're doing in Boise and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, I was here last week, so I want to know, we wrote down names. Remember that? How many of you remember we wrote down names? All right, two people. Good. That was, it was impactful. And so when I ask this next thing, I'm imagining to be overwhelmed so how many of you took that list and did something with it this week that's tangible? Raise your hand. One. All right. Two. All right. No. Hey, that's where the action is, right? We gather to grow, but we scatter to serve. We get something here that we give away there. Amen? Can we, can we just promise Jesus a little bit of courage to do that today with what we get? That we're going to listen and receive... And in, in anything we receive, freely we receive, that we would be courageous and creative on giving it away this week. I, I, I think that pleases the Lord. It seems to be a pattern of Scripture where 
God's looking around, what, what can I anoint? And what he's looking for is people who listen and obey. He says, ah, there's a landing strip for more of me. I want you and me to be a landing strip for more of God. And what he's looking for is people that listen to him and then do what he says. So I, um, I wanted to uh, tell you about a friend of mine. We're going to be talking about something that it's sometimes feels out of reach for most people. And the most out-of-reach person I know on evangelism is my friend Phil. I, I don't know if everybody has a friend like Phil, but Phil is the par excellence evangelist. He's an Ephesians 4.11 evangelist. He incarnates the reality of Jesus who seeks and saves the lost. The guy is amazing. We had a ministry school in San Francisco. We invited Phil along with a couple other people to come and hang with us, and we had lived in this community in, in uh, just, just, north of, just south of San Francisco for about four months when he came, and we had been, you know, like y'all do, praying for our neighbors, looking for an opportunity, but it seemed to be kind of the neighborhood where people, got, when they got home, they pushed the garage door button, went in, and it was just like hard to connect with them. Well, Phil had been with us for uh, like two days. On the second day, he comes in. He goes, hey, yeah, I met so-and-so and so-and-so, and I met their dog, and I got the names of their kids, and uh, I invited them over for dinner tomorrow. I go, Phil, we've been here four months. We haven't even met them. He goes, oh, yeah, they're ready for a Discovery Bible study. It's like, what? Phil is an evangelist. We went down to a coffee shop with him, and we prayer walk this area, and we go into the coffee shop. And uh, where's Phil? Oh, there he is. He's talking to the owner of the coffee shop and has gone in 15 minutes, gotten to meet the guy, felt some kind of connection with him, told him about Discovery Bible Study, and the guy's convinced he wants to take all his employees through it the next week. Phil's an evangelist. Now, here's the thing. In a setting like this, statistically speaking, no one, I mean, heaven knows, but on earth we can guess, but about 10% of people are wired as evangelists. Ephesians 4.11, evangelists. That means 90% of us are not. So the question is, what about evangelism for those of us that are not evangelists? Can I hear an amen? All of us have had those awkward trainings where you're told to go up in the name of Jesus to a complete stranger and ask awkward questions and know if they reject you, it's because of the cross or something like that, right? How many of you have been... Been there, done that? Yeah. All right. And, 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 and it's likely you would say something like, I will never do that again. And that's where a lot of the body of, the, body of Christ is. And we get, you know, stories like that from Phil. We normalize the evangelist as the way in which we can participate in the sharing of good news. And it's not. There is a pattern in Scripture and a plan in Scripture that invites all, all of us, everyday believers, to participate in the adventure of sharing good news with neighbors and friends throughout our neighborhoods and beyond. And I want to talk, talk to you about that today. So what about the rest of us? This morning, I want to describe from Scripture and some ideas and stories, what is a fruitful, proven pathway for engaging people far from God with the good news of Jesus? For everyday believers, for you and me, for everyone in this room, is there... Is there a proven pathway like where we look in Scripture and we look through church history where God's secret weapon wasn't the experts and it wasn't the people that were, you know, 
super abundantly anointed with something was the everyday believer who said yes to Jesus and would do their part to get into the nooks and crannies of culture and reveal Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning and invite you in this, in this uh, discovery. So, anyway, this pathway. I want to talk to you about this pathway. It comes from Colossians and... Uh, uh, and I would like, uh, w- would you just stand? It's a short passage, Colossians 4, uh, 2 through 6. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go through it together this morning. Paul's writing, closing of his letter, he says in verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thank you for your word, Lord. We're listening. Please speak. Penetrate our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Devote yourself to press. The first thing we're going to talk about, the proven pathway to share the good news begins with prayer. It's interesting. Anything in the kingdom of God that's advancing on earth, is a, it, has, it, it started in prayer, and, it's in, and the people stay in prayer. You start and stay in prayer. So whatever this pathway is that Robert's describing to you, he last week was on prayer, right? You were here. He emphasized the importance of activating prayer or extraordinary prayer. You start with that. It has to start with it. Movements of the gospel start with prayer. There's never been a gospel movement that started without God gracing somebody to call out and cry out. Prayer has always been a part of it. Listening um, and calling down, you know, kingdom come type praying. Praying is always starts movements. But once we get to engaging culture like we're going to be talking about today, guess what? Prayer is still a part of it. I mean, prayer is a part of it when you're making disciples. Prayer is a part of it when you're forming microchurches. Prayer is a part of it all. So we start with prayer. We stay with prayer. And so the proven pathway that we're going to be talking about today, when I say proven pathway, I mean it's embedded in Scripture. It's even in our text this morning. And throughout church history, wherever there's been uh, a rapid multiplication of new disciples resulting in new forms of simple church and cultural transformation, this pathway is in place. Every time. There's no, there's no, like, oh, in that situation, they didn't have prayer. Or in that situation, they didn't engage culture and, and get among the people. Or in that culture, no, it's, it's in every case. That's why this is exciting to me to call it a proven pathway, because you and I as everyday believers can just take what's tried and true, which is embedded in Scripture, backed up by the promises of God, and put these simple things into practice. Devote yourselves to prayer. We can do that. Scripture wouldn't tell us what we're meant to do without the grace to be able to do it. And, there, and it's easy to get devoted to many things and distracted from a few things that are super important. One of them that embetters our personal life, the prayer, prayee, and betters the people we pray for, and betters the city in which we pray for, is being devoted to prayer. And he says being watchful and thankful. Devote yourself 
to prayer. So there's a sense in which prayer embedders you. So you're, you're taking that time set apart to pray, and things happen when you pray. How many know that? Things happen in you. We're praying for others, intercession, but we're also having an interaction with the Holy Spirit, and things happen in that time with God when we're not necessarily fixing something, preparing something. We're just hanging out, gazing into the eyes of the one who loves us. He's, he's speaking to us. He's imparting things to us. Stuff is happening that when we arise from that time of prayer, we're different. Usually, it's, uh, for me, it's a lot of reminding of who I am. How many know that we leak? I leak vision. I leak anointing. I leak remembering what he's actually called me to. And I love it that when I, in my time set apart with him every day, that I'm reminded of the simple things, the fundamental foundational things that I believe are important for my life with God. So in prayer, we discover a few things. And I, I'm going to put these up here. I want you to see them. I, I, I rediscover that I'm beloved of God apart from my performance. Can I hear an amen? That's who you are. He looks around and goes, oh, I love you. But, but, and then we have our protest. But you don't know what I didn't do or I did do. He goes, oh, I do know. And I want you to know, apart from your performance, I deeply love you, forever love you relentlessly pursuing you to love you will you receive that and in our time of being devoted in prayer we get to experience that refreshing of his love and secondly we're authorized we remember we're authorized to share the good news it's like i choose you and you and you and you and you you go yeah not only do i choose you i have given you authority how many know that god has given us authority he's authorized us to represent him in the world that we say and do things that Jesus said and did, and now we say it in Jesus' name. You understand that? You guys understand? You're, you've been authorized to represent Jesus in your neighborhood and beyond. And I have to be reminded of that. I am, it's thirdly, called to partner with Jesus in my neighborhood and beyond. I'm called to partner with him. He's got, he's got assignments that he's already out there kind of preparing things. He's like, come on, Bill. Let's do this together. When I'm praying, when I'm devoted to prayer, that clarity of my calling, there's a general calling, but there can be specific assignments. How many of you know that sometimes he, he just nudges you in the slightest way? And you, have you ever had that, that experience where you, you had this thought, you come out of prayer, and you had this thought to text somebody or call somebody and call them, and they said something like, I can't believe you just called me just now. How many? Come on. I mean, the God is involved in his world, and he wants to use us and in prayer, we can be reminded of that we're His, and, and He is ours. And, and, and we're, we're filled with His love, refreshed by His Spirit, and we can get downloads of, of His leading. But He goes on in verse 3, and pray for us too. So now He's telling them, pray for us too. Why? That God may open a door for our message. When we pray, doors can open. How many know that there needs to be some doors opened in Boise, in the Treasure Valley? Closed doors to the gospel, closed doors to, to, to missional activation. And what happens, what Paul's saying is, if you're devoted in prayer, it's doing something in you that's awesome, that prepares you for mission, that prepares you for life, prepares you for being a mom or a dad, or just a, a person that 
is, is, is releasing the truth of who Jesus is. Yes, that's what happens in prayer. But know this, when you pray, and you pray for your neighborhood, and you pray for the, the businesses in the city, and you pray for the churches, doors that are closed can be opened. And Paul's saying, come on, be devoted to prayer for doors to be opened for the sharing of the good news. And he goes on and he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. When we pray, it impacts disciple makers. It impacts people who are sharing good news. So when you, I love these micro church stories. And one of the things you get to do is you come in, it's like an incubator formation where you're experiencing God, you're committing to one another, but about mission, you're able to pray, you, you know what each other is doing, and you're praying for each other as you're going, as you're doing the go of the Great Commission, and we are praying for effectiveness, we're praying for fruitfulness. Isn't that good? Paul says this is what happens in prayer, so be devoted to prayer. We want to, we want to, we want to convey the good news, and, the, and it starts and stays with prayer. Secondly, the proven pathway to share the good news continues with Care. Prayer moves to, what's the next word? What? Care. All right. Come on. Let's do that again. Prayer begins with prayer and it moves to? Care. Oh, thank you. Moves to care. Care is um, another way of saying engaging culture. And that's on the, the missionary pathways. You know, it starts with prayer. It moves to moving, going as God's anointed us, reminded us, given us intel, and now we go and we mix it up. We, we actually are in, but not of the world. We're actually um, becoming friends of sinners. We're, we're following the pattern of Jesus to go to the marginalized, to the hurting, to the lost. We have to go to them, and we have to be with them. And I'm going to share with you, this is a section that's really important. He says, be wise in the way you act towards who? outsiders. He's talking about people not yet in the kingdom. People not yet believers. Those are outsiders. How many know the majority of the people in our city are what? Are what? That's right. They're outsiders. And God doesn't want them to be outsiders. He's, he's so generous. There's plenty of room at his table. And he's saying, come on! Go out and, and connect with Outsiders, and when you're with them, be wise in the way you, what? Act toward them. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, verse, wise. verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Where are you going to get that wisdom? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, and I'm going to, you know, through prayer walking, I get to know several neighbors that are out, outsiders, Paul tells me, "Be what? where am I going to get that wisdom that he's talking about? What precedes care? Prayer. How many know God doesn't want to hide the strategies to connect with outsiders? How many know that God wants to open hearts and soften the ground so that after connecting several times with somebody, actually spiritual conversations can happen? How many know that God prepares us with wisdom in the prayer time so that when we're out with the outsiders, it shows up in ways where God can say and do what only He could say and do. 
So Paul's saying, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. In other words, don't just be happenstance. Don't just use your wisdom. I mean, be wise. This is an opportunity. Every outsider is somebody who Jesus died for. They just don't know it yet. So take that seriously. And be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. In the way you act towards outsiders. Do you know that you have to be with outsiders to act wise with them? It's just a little bit of the issue. Is we actually have to go, like we've been told to do, we actually have to be among them. We actually have to get to know outsiders. And I, you know, when I say this, I'm in general in the body of Christ, after you've been a Christian for four minutes, you slowly and sometimes quickly lose touch with the outsiders that you knew prior to coming into the kingdom. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I'm talking about. And maybe you don't know what I'm talking about or you do. I get agreement. All right. It's just, it's unbelievable that um, so many people that are worshiping God, praying, going to church every weekend, maybe going to a house group, don't know. They can't barely name a few people that, they're, I mean, give their names of people that are far from God that they have any connection with. And Paul says, go and be wise and get with them, be with them, and um, be wise in the way you act toward them. And the only way to be wise and we act toward them, we've got to be with them. So what are some predictable rhythms where you and I can do like we did last week, make a list of names that are currently those that are far from God that we know, neighbors, family members, co-workers, people at our school, uh, friends of our kids and their parents. But there's ways we get, get God's wisdom to find the outsiders that we're meant to pursue in love. And uh, for me, one of the great ways is just prayer walking. How many prayer walk as a part of your spiritual? So, okay, a couple. Prayer walking is the, is the tool that's the most easy. It's within reach that we all can do. You can do it. Just start in your neighborhood. You pray over houses. You ask God for insight, open doors. It's, it's incredible when I start in the morning and I say, Lord, here we go. I'm going to going to walk and I'm going to intentionally keep my eyes open, my ears open. I'm watching for what you want me to see. I'm listening for what you want me to hear. When I pray and I go out with that expectation, it skyrockets the, the opportunities I have to connect with strangers, with outsiders. And, you know, when I'm prayer walking, um, then I'm waiting, is there anything else besides just walking by the person? I'm also, is there anything else? Yeah, ask them this question. Or, or offer to help them in this way. And God is, you know, that's being wise in the way we act towards outsiders, just finding ways to connect. He says, take every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Opportunities to serve and share will come up, I promise you, if you're consistently with outsiders. So we all could have sort of many stories of just because I stopped and had a hundred conversations with one of my neighbors, one time he, was, he was, had a funny limp in the way he walked, and life leaked out, and he told me he had wrenched his lower back. I said, oh, come on. What, what's going on? And he shared it with me. And do you know that it wasn't the 80th conversation or the 81st or the 90th. I'm just saying it was way in. It, 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 
I mean, being wise in the way to act toward outsiders doesn't mean you jump on them. It means you watch and listen and follow the promptings of the Lord. But at that 100th time of talking to him, I had built the relational equity to be able to say, hey, may I pray for you? And do you know what he said? Because I wasn't a stranger. I, I'm telling you, if, if you don't go up and we're awkward like our evangelism courses sometimes taught us and we actually have built relational equity through care, people will say yes. And I prayed for him. You know, and he looked at me and he says, wow, thank you. And, you know, I- instantaneously he wasn't healed. But do you know that he was something happened that did matter? And now he welcomes conversation, and it often now goes to spiritual reality. Well, I want to share with you this uh, a tool that makes this may become more uh, alive to you. So an outsider that you have never met, you haven't talked to, I'm going to call them a stranger, okay? So th- this paradigm is we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in relational development through the outsider who is a stranger, that they would become an acquaintance, that the acquaintance would become eventually a friend. And how many know that it is friends who 99% lead people to cross the line of faith? It's not strangers, not even acquaintances, friends. Why? Because the trust has been built. And, and, and it's, it, it hasn't just been, you know, it doesn't instantly come, it's earned to care. And so what, I, what I've learned is that uh, when God gives me a, a, you know, an assignment with a neighbor or a friend or somebody I've just met, it's a stranger, this is what a stranger is. A stranger is someone I don't know their name, I don't know their, con- I don't know anything about it. I, I mean, I've, and if I like went somewhere else, you know, I'm at a Costco and he, they were there, I wouldn't notice them. I wouldn't remember them. That's, that's a stranger. So we know, a, we know a lot of strangers. They're the people you see, but you don't know their story. You don't know where they're from. You don't know where they're going. You don't know their name, right? There's tons of strangers in Boise to you and to me. And the only way we move to them becoming followers of Jesus is they have to become acquaintances. And what's an acquaintance? An acquaintance is someone you connect with and you actually get to know each other's name. And uh, an acquaintance is somebody, so I got to know your name, you know my name, and now we're at Costco and I see you and I recognize you. Why? Because you're not a stranger, you're an acquaintance. Now an acquaintance is not somebody, I mean, they, they were splashing around the shallow end of conversation, but at least we're in the shallow end of conversation, right? And as those acquaintance conversations develop, guess what builds? Trust. And as trust builds slowly, and you can't force friendship, can you? But it's out of trust and staying in the trench that we become, we become, uh, we become friends, finally. And friends can lead people to become followers. Second thing I want to talk to you about is, is blessing others in Jesus' name. And this is something you can do. This is... This is low-hanging fruit. Jesus has authorized you to, to share. And one of the things you can share is his blessing on people. You can stand in Jesus' name, and it's, it's not 
a blessing, you know, like we can't, humanly speaking, without Christ, bless people and make any difference. But we have been called to, and commissioned and authorized to represent Jesus. Do you agree with me? You're his representatives in your neighborhood. And when we stand in his name, we can say, in Jesus' name, I bless you with whatever God puts on your heart to share. Does that make sense? I am, I'm going to encourage you to experiment with this, with your family and with your neighbors. It is easy. It is, it is something that is, and it's like the first domino also, potentially other conversations about God and his kingdom, the life that he's made possible. And I want to encourage you with this. So we're going to do it real quick. So that I want you, here's, here's what we're going to do. I want you to find a partner. Okay, right now, find a partner. We'll just do part one. Find a partner. Could be the person sitting next to you. Could be somebody not sitting next to you. Everybody get a partner. She doesn't have a partner. Somebody come up here. There's three in this row. Come on, let's go. You want me to go around and put, put you with a partner? Just... Just get with one. Okay. You're going to stay with this partner for a few minutes, so hopefully you picked a good one. All right, ready? Okay, so now what I want you to do, close your eyes. You know who your partner is? And we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, you know this person that I'm partnered with you know something they need to hear from you. And I want to bless them with that. I bless you with, and Holy Spirit, fill in the blank. What am I meant to share? I, in Jesus' name, I bless you with, now listen for a minute, and see if he tells you something to bless your partner with. All right, go, one at a time. Look at each other, and you simply say, I bless you with, and you share what Jesus told you to share. blessings awesome now this is thing I've done this I do this all the time I do it with people as the spirit leads I don't just randomly do it but I when I'm listening I'm aligned with God blessing is one of the tools he often asks me to pull out I can be usually on a prayer walk some, something will happen if my eyes are open my ears are open and there'll be somebody that I'll connect with that gives me just enough of a connection to be able to say, hey, would, I just want to bless you with, and I just tell them something relevant, tactful, not too weirdly religious, right? And it can be anything from a woman one time when I was on a prayer walk, her favorite tree had fallen down and crushed her plants. And she was sitting there weeping, and I go, oh, no. What happened? She shared with me how the tree fell. It was her favorite tree, crushed all her plants. 
and uh, I listened to her. I, I just stood with her and was sad with this person who was sad for a few minutes. And I said, could I just, do you mind if I just bless you? She goes, okay. And I spoke blessing, just blessing over her home, blessing over her heart, you know, blessing that she could, um, you know, mourn the loss and then find a new vision for the future for her little garden. And, she, you know, tears coming down. She looked, do you know that we didn't know each other that well? I mean, I've seen her on prayer walks a few times. But do you know that blessing was something that the hearts of the hurting are really open to? I remember during COVID walking down 8th Street and all the shopkeeps that were like pulling their hair out from frustration and fear of what was going on. And this guy comes out of this one restaurant and he and his the manager, the owner and the manager were working on furniture. That's all they could do is just like, well, we might as well redo the furniture. Can't have customers. So I went and I said, hey, guys, praying for you. Really? Yeah, I walk by this. I walk by here every day just hoping that God's provision will be sufficient for you guys in this hard time. Are you kidding me? And they said a little adjective. Are you kidding me? I go, yeah, no, I'm serious. That's what I do. That's, that's one of the things I like to do for the city. And he goes, do you, do, you, do you guys mind if I just bless you right now and bless your business? What? Okay. What do we do? Do we do something? No, just, just hang in there. So I just blessed them. And they come up. These are dudes. And they're like, and slowly the, the owner goes, hey, do you want a job? <laughs> we, we, need a, we need an extra cook. And I go, no, dude, you wouldn't want me to do that. Talk to my wife. Maybe she's awesome. Hey, so does this make sense? Here's what I want you to Can you remember to, to exercise, to practice this with somebody? I promise you it will be something that is a go-to because it does so much. It costs so little. And it's an amazing way to possibly start a spiritual journey with somebody. The second tool, uh, the next thing I want to share, and this more briefly, we're running out of time. Probably the most obvious thing in the New, in the New Testament is how encounters with God's pres- presence were, were the biggest kind of you know, apologetic for the gospel. When there was a, a remarkable answer to prayer, uh, people said, what was that? And then the, the people could say, well, that was Jesus. Friends, that's within our, all our reach, too. This isn't for the remarkable, for the extraordinary, for the experts. No, it's a movement of everyday believers who are, who are brave to just pop this question. Super hard. May I pray for you? Now, that sounds easy for me to say here, but when you're out with people far from God, it's like, it's like, Seems like it's hard. So we're going to practice it here. So may I pray for you. Ready? One, two, three. See, it's not that hard. Now you just need to consider the Spirit's prompting to you uh, from time to time after you get, when opportunities arise, to be able to ask it of neighbors and friends. And I, I, on this one, it is, this is probably one of the most powerful things that set up spiritual conversations beyond this time of, of praying. So what I want to do is just share with you kind of this little five things, five things. You're out, you're prayer walking, you're, or you're with a neighbor, you're at the mailbox, 
life leaks out, you've built some relationship equity, so there's a, enough trust that they're going to share, yeah, I just found out about this medical condition. You're standing there. Jesus is standing in you. You're standing in his name. And here's the question. What would Jesus do if a dude at the mailbox said, I just found out about this medical condition and I'm not doing well? I want to learn to do what Jesus would do. I want my instincts to be that of what Jesus' instincts would be because he's called me to stand in his name. I'm to represent him. I'm meant to say and do what he would say and do were he in my place. Amen? And we freak out in fear over a simple thing that we can do. You can all do. I want to challenge you. You can do this. Standing at the mailbox, I just found out, may I pray for you? And fear rises up, and some of us say, well, they're going to say no. They hardly ever say no. And if they say no, what? It, hello? So what? Well, that's like persecution. Well, come on. We can, we can get through it. Besides the fact that they hardly ever say no. Now, when you say, may I pray for you? And they say, yes. They go, okay. No, you mean out loud right, right here? That's usually the protest you'll get. He said, no, we'll do it. Like, it'll be so cool. No one will even know. I, I want to challenge you. So that's, how do you set this up? I just want to tell you how it goes. May I pray for you? And then you discover what's going on. You ask a few clarifying questions. Where does it hurt? How long does it, has it hurt? On, on, on a scale of one to 10, you know, where's the pain level right now? I find that. And then, and then let's pray. And then when we pray, how many know there's two common prayer postures in the scriptures? One is intercession. And when I'm praying for intercession, here's my friend. He shared with me his, his, uh, his pain in his shoulder. Intercession is I ask the Father to stretch forth his hand and touch my friend. Amen? Biblical. Probably we're pretty aware of intercession. We're asking God to move and do what only he can do in the person's life, right? There's another posture of prayer in scriptures called de declarative prayer and that's where the father gives me assignment i'm standing in his name it comes down to me and i speak to the shoulder in jesus name shoulder stop hurting pain go away healing come now how many how which one do you think is more common in the gospels in the book of acts intercession or declaratory how many think that on earth with christians today we're more comfortable with intercession or declarative. Intercession, 100%. What I want to challenge you is that they're both good. And I want you to experiment with it. We're going to do it. Just take a minute right now to do that. So after you pray, you check in. How's it going? You say, oh, that could be scary. Yeah, but it also could be amazing. What if they said I got healed? What if they said a measure, it was a 10, now it's a 4? Or what if they said, no, it still feels the same. Guess what? Somebody who loves God in that person is standing there to comfort them in that situation. So we check in. We check in. How's it going? And sometimes in the check-in, we find out, hey, we're not done. Let's pray a little bit more. And we return to prayer. We pray. We come back. We check in again. Do you get it? May I pray for you? Where does it hurt? Pray check in and at the very end when we conclude we just bless the person how many know that even if they didn't get healed having somebody be bold enough loving enough to say may i pray for you is ministry in and of itself especially when it ends with a blessing hey i just bless you with more hope 
I bless you with healing to come. I bless you, you know, as somebody that, that, that God sees and cares about. And people walk away from that not feeling bad, but feeling loved. And that's not a bad day, right? So turn to your partner, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to just use this language, okay? May I pray for you? But, you know, what I want you to do is just share something where you have a physical or emotional need, and just one person do it, and the other person is, we've got three, and then it's, you know, your little prayer team. And just go through this little thing real quick. Just, may I pray for you? Get permission, and then go through it. But somebody say, okay, I have a real need. I actually have, my shoulder actually does hurt, okay? And then you're going to go through this prayer thing. Ready? Go. Obviously, this is too short. We prayed that was real. It was short. It was an exercise. It was an experiment. But it was short. But anybody feel like you got a margin of healing? You felt God touch you in some way? Raise your hand. Anybody? Right here. Anybody else? Back here, back there, over there. Anybody over on this side? Was this, this the healing side? This the he- okay, so, all right. I, it was that, I mean, Jill and I do this seminar all over, all over the world, and if we slow it way down, there's way more to it. But there's always significant healing in the room, and what is most important to us is people get up activated, like, I want to do this with others. All right, I see the kids coming in, so we're done. (laughs) Let me just read the last verse. The proven pathway to share the good news continues on to share. You finally got to say something to people. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation. Friends, we care, but someday we got to share. Someday actual words have to come out of our mouth, and you've built the relational equity through sharing in those various ways. And he says, let it be full of grace, you know, seasoned with salt. This is what I've learned. Gracious and salty people of prayer who care for others are a magnet for the spiritually curious. So I want to ask you, if you could just all stand. We're going to close with a little exercise here. Could you put your palms up, if you wouldn't mind? Palms up to God. And with our palms up, God, we're saying we, we want more of you. We need more of you. We hunger and thirst for more of you. And that your love and your presence would impact our life. Our palms are up to say, Lord, we thank you for what we had, but we need something new for today and, and our tomorrows. Put your palms out toward one another as a church. Out towards one another. Turn, turn your palms out towards the people in the church. You can actually look at each other if you want. In Jesus' name, I, through me now, Lord, I pray that you'd make me a blessing to those who know you, my fellow disciple makers. I, I'm praying that your spirit would work through me to encourage them and they to me. Now, palms out to the city. And in Jesus' name, personally and we corporately, we bless the city of Boise and Treasure Valley and beyond. In the name of Jesus, we pray the ground for the gospel would be softened and that assignments that Jesus would have for us would be clear to us in our hearts and in our minds. We bless you neighborhoods, my neighborhood, the the businesses in the city, schools, 
workplaces. In Jesus' name, be softened in the kingdom of God. Come upon you. And Lord, send us where you would go. And so now it's my privilege just to commission you afresh, friends, to commission you what Jesus has already said of you. You are called. You are provided with his spirit. Man, go in his name. Fine. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.